0: all right all right all right all right welcome everyone welcome 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 my name is Didi Delgado you are here with another episode episode number 22 of the full set and we are here with Hudu Hussey um I my esteemed guest Hudu Hussey hey boo hey I just want to introduce you because everybody know you and love you. I was telling you all when I was telling people that you were coming, everybody was in love. I was like, this is great. And so I just want to introduce you and say the Hoodoo Hussey is a root worker and priestess with roots in Mississippi and Baltimore, the granddaughter of sharecroppers who picked cotton and pulled corn, not too far from the legendary crossroads. She came back to this mortal coil to help people minister and be in service to her community. She uses her ancestral birthright of hoodoo as her foundation to support those in need. Thank you and welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. I'm hyped. This is the highlight of my day for real, for real. Look at my nose. Look at my nose.
0: I don't know who to be. I really hope whoever just rang my bell just opens the door because I sent a text to the group message. Thank you. <laughs> Jeez. Um, so anyways, Um. so welcome to the show. I'm I'm dead ass excited to have you. Um, I wanted to talk with you about something that was extremely important to me and to you that I just found out. So this is what I'm working with right now. I don't know if you can see that this, I just,
1: I'm
0: I'm a different person.
1: I, for me, getting my nails done is a joy that I feel deprived of right now. I know that there's so many other things that we're all thinking about and worrying about. That's something that was part of my self-care practice. And I always would get a color that would bring me joy. So even if I'm feeling low on a particular day, I would look at that manicure and I'd be like, hey, these nails are hitting. And it it would make me feel like good. So now I'm just like, I don't have fine motor skills. I am blessed in many different ways. My hands are blessed, but they're not, I can't do a manicure like my manicurist can do my manicure, so.
0: Did you you break yet? And when I say, did you break yet? What I'd like to know is if you've gone the route of ordering nail product from CVS or Walgreens Um, or from the Amazon even, down with amazon um, but sometimes you have to order <laughs> i have um
1: i have purchased some nail products um trying to get my gel manicure off took 3 hours i was not ready i was like over there just
0: i thought it was just me i thought it was just me with that struggle
1: it was very hard and I just had that moment when I realized that I had to cut my nails because yeah, weren't I got dry. two
0: left. To, I've been dipping one at a time. That's I got two left.
1: So I um, yeah, I'm just like I I don't know. I'm I'm gonna be bootleg and try nail stickers for the meantime. <laughs> I need something and painting nails and letting them dry traditionally it, it doesn't work for me. I'm too. <sighs> i may seem all like cute and gentle you're beautiful
0: cute is not the word (laughs) i don't even know who i am speaking to you right now
1: (laughs) very rough with my nails so that's why i had to get like i would get what they call uh, my salon calls a strengthening gel manicure so it made sure that you know your nails remain strong underneath that gel and stuff so that they weren't like weak and everything but i'm just like well they'll grow back when it's time no
0: they won't actually. And so <laughs> we're just going to have to wait for the, the um, not even the quarantine to be over there. You know, my, my, so you were telling me about the nail salon that you go to and I identify with that story so much so because my best friend just opened a nail salon not even like eight months ago. And it's in like Schenectady, New York, like, you know and I used to drive from Boston when she was inside of this white lady salon just to support a black business and know that you know my nails were going to be taken care of a good product and you were telling me that you got a place I it's do. so hard to find a place
1: listen i went <laughs> through a few different places and there was one particular place i'm like i'm i realized that there was a reason why i was supposed to go there because she told me about a nonprofit that now i'm working with that is you know, helping to assist me with some of my business stuff. I realized that's why the ancestors brought me there. Because when I tell you the manicure was raggedy, raggedy, <laughs> I was just like, hey. I just pay all this money, right? Did I just pay like sixty plus dollars for this manicure that is popping off after a week, like after a week. Um. So, but I realized there was a reason why I was not still there. I thought
0: I thought you was about to tell me you pulled a foxy brown. Cause Foxy Brown, do not play about her nails.
1: <laughs> no, no, no. All I did was text the owner like, hey, my I already have a nail that, that fell off. And so then I went and got it put back on and then the two more fell off. And I was just like, well, this is not for me. You're like, it's
0: done, it's canceled.
1: Yeah, it's done. The mission was accomplished in terms of me connecting with this nonprofit. But um, then I found my soulmate nail place. And I was like, so I've never had a better manicure ever. And I was like, yes, My black woman. Mate. nail salon.
0: place.
1: And it's like a green salon. Like they, they use like the products. They don't have like the certain types of chemicals that are toxic and everything. Right. Very cute in there. So.
0: Come on, look at your oh, Ashe. Look at your Ashe. Come on. <laughs> um, so I wanted to talk to you about your name. And so um, I've come across you, Hoodoo Hussy, and I'm like, what is this ethereal being? Like, you know, when I emailed you, you emailed me back. I was like, shut up, like, <laughs> you know. So I was just feeling really blessed. Like, when you say that you traveled through the Mississippi River and across it, right? What does that? What like, what is the importance of Hoodoo in your life? What is Hoodoo, and why is it important?
1: Well, when I say I, I trap my My Juju, my Ashe made its way across the Atlantic from those ancestors who came and, you know, a lot of times, one of my big things is like, I honor those ancestors from the continent, but I honor my ancestors who are here as well. Yes. So, those that were enslaved, they were on this land and this land became an adoptive homeland, you know, and... They took what they already knew, their knowledge about how the earth works, about how plants work, how animals you know, work, everything, nature, the central beauty of nature. They took that knowledge, because really our ancestors, they never considered themselves above any of these things. It was just like, we are a part of this whole thing of this earth, we're just another manifestation, we're another being, we're sharing this earth with all, all these other beings. And these beings have spirits of the, their own. The tree has a spirit, this right. has a spirit. Everything has a purpose. And our ancestors knew that. Mm-hmm. And the ride, the very traumatic ride across the Atlantic did not erase their memories. Like it didn't, it wasn't all of a sudden we were a blank slate when we came to what we now consider you know the united states the americas although
0: colonizers would have us believe that we were easily programmable
1: yes when in fact they were actually out here taking some of us from certain ethnic groups because of our knowledge set you know some of our our ancestors knew really knew how to cultivate rice very well it was the agricultural knowledge some of them were iron workers like it was very strategic it wasn't just oh, just labor and they don't know how to do anything. Oh no, they, they knew exactly what they were doing, bringing knowledge that they didn't have. Right. <laughs> so I really, when I'm thinking about, you know, honoring my ancestors and everything, like hoodoo is the manifestation of the enslaved Africans experience mm. here in the American South. That's what it is. And it's about taking that knowledge from different ethnic groups you know, that came over and the, the immersion of that and us using that to support ourselves in our daily lives, to fight, to, you know, poison our oppressors, like all the right. things. <laughs> I love this conversation. This is my favorite song. <laughs> yes. I'm like, whenever they're like, yes, shout out to like, you know, our ancestors who killed their you know oppressors. I'm like straight up straight right. up that's the energy I'm moving in mm. so you know my my family on my mom's side you know straight up Mississippi Delta hotbed for hoodoo hotbed for the blues which is basically the gospel and text of hoodoo right. and so when mm-hmm. I was you know
0: there's a song about hot foot powder I thought I heard
1: there are a few songs about <laughs> there's a lot of there are hot songs about hot foot powder there's songs about. And spiders in people's dumplings. There are um <laughs> you know, live. I
0: things. feel personally attacked right now because I love my dumplings.
1: <laughs> there are whole songs about a whole bunch of thing, a whole okay. bunch of things. Um, you know, mojo hands. Um, you know, all sorts of um things that are were regular life, and I just feel so honored to be part of that legacy. And part of the reason that Hoodoo Hussy, because a lot of people think Hoodoo Hussey is a persona. I'm like, no, no, no. Hoodoo Hussey is just another manifestation of me.
0: Oh, I'm um, glad we're talking about manifestations. Come on, boo.
1: <laughs> like Hoodoo Hussey is about honoring my ancestral birthright of Hoodoo, um, the, the, the spiritual belief system, the religion of African-Americans. And the Hussy part was about honoring my sensuality and my sexuality mm. in a way that i feel that black women and femmes have historically not been able to i'm like ain't nothing wrong with being a hussy ain't nothing wrong with, being a, hussy. Nothing wrong with being a hussy ain't nothing wrong with being a hoochie mama a hot girl all the things yeah i ain't gonna let nobody shame me for that you know in my mind who hussy got her own juke joint mm. come on Shug. <laughs> come on, Shug. <laughs> oh, folks always say that. They're like, oh, you remind me of Sugar Avery.
0: <laughs> no, I think it's the way that you just have like this really, um this, the way that, you, it's not even the way that you, it, I, it might be everything about you. I don't know. Like, you know, it's just the way that you talk. It's like, it's not the way you speak. It's the way you talk. Like, you know, it's just, you have this very soothing, it's like an elixir to the eardrum. Like, you know, so I love that you're talking. <laughs> Just keep talking. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> when you say it's your ancestral birthright, um, that hoodoo is your ancestral birthright. Can you explain upon that? And I'm asking because last night um we ended the show, I think it was 9:30, but I didn't get off the phone with Nikki until like 12 a.m. in the morning. And she said, quote you are doing yourself an injustice by not offering that medicine because it's an elixir for both you and the person you're sharing your gift with, you know? So what does that mean to you? You're like, yes.
1: (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Um, You know, when I'm doing different preparations, root work for healing, for helping, for uplifting, for supporting, whatever it is, for protection, um, me doing that work is a bomb for me. I'm like, for me, that birthright, that knowledge, the gift that was given to me from birth, it's about community. It's about how can I use the gifts that I was born with, whether it be root work, whether it be, you know, all, all the different things that we can be gifted with. How can I use that to uplift my fellow person? How can I use that to honor my ancestors? Because when I help other people, especially folks who look like me,
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that is
1: the way that I am honoring and offering to my ancestors. This gift that I have, this knowledge, this this. The spirit of the things that are that all of our ancestors did to survive. I feel like it's my responsibility to use that to help folks thrive. And I don't think it should be kept to myself or just to a select few for me. I believe that I came back because I've been here before. I believe Mm. I came back and that is my mission to help heal, uplift, and minister. So however I can do that, when people tell me that something that I prepared with my hands has helped them and how it has affected them and um, brought them joy or brought them happiness for whatever the outcome it was, that brings me happiness and you know, if we all can offer our gifts to each other and it just be a constant feedback of us all doing that together, we could just, we could just accomplish so many things.
0: And you and I were talking, thank you for that. You and I were talking about that briefly offline is that, you know, when when I first called you, I had told you I was going to call you an hour or two ago, you know? (laughs) And it's just been a day, like we don't have to go into it. It's just been, and it wasn't a bad day. It's just been a lot of like pandemic and then like responsibility and then emotions. And then it just kept stacking. And, you know, I was able, you like provided this space for me to be able to talk about that. And it was like, you didn't absorb it, but you like saw me and you were like, well, you're doing a lot to <laughs> so, like, and I was like, yes. Yes, yes, I, yes well, I am.
1: Like, well, <laughs> I said that Dee Dee was out here being a superhero.
0: Well, I was not going to repeat that, but okay. I, I
1: was going to repeat it because it's true. And I just, I just got to, you know, speak truth to power. That's, you were over here uplifting people in the community and helping them and supporting them in a very stressful time. So listen, I got to give you your props for that.
0: Thank you. And I was just reflecting just, like the hoodoo, the the juju that's in the ability for black femmes and, and like just, and non-men and like the lineages that we come from, when we get together, it's like this, this, this energy, I don't know what type of energy it is, but it's also bomb. It's also that elixir, right? That is also the medicine. And I went, you know, and I was telling you, I was like, I did not even think that this conversation was gonna go well. I say that every time about everything, but I'm like, no, this is terrible. Like, you know, when I used to do, um, I used to do poetry and I used to host, produce and, and promote the shows. And, you know, my friend, she was in business with me and she'd be like, this is gonna be great. Aren't you excited? You look so beautiful. And I'm like, no, cause no one's gonna show up like this. That, that. You know, even though I had done the work, I still had felt that there was failure on the horizon. And when black femmes and non-men get together, it, and then and, like speak about those failures, I feel like the acknowledgement that they might have existed, that they can exist, but that we're, we'll, we'll be experiencing them together. Like, I think that there's like a deep power in that. And I wish we could harness that power more, like, you know?
1: There is, and um, there is um, there is a woman, a black woman, who makes um, sweatshirts and t-shirts and it says mm-hmm. sisterhood is a form of therapy. Mm-hmm. And I would just take it to the next level and say siblinghood because I wanna be inclusive to those who don't identify um, as she, her, or um, as a woman, but you know, women and non-men, siblinghood. Siblinghood is a form of therapy. There's so much power when you bring together black women and femmes and non-men together on a, who are on a similar, similar vibration, a similar energy, just being in each other's presence is power and it's soothing and it's healing like i wish you could have seen it um last summer when you know outside i gotta tell you this because it was so powerful um so you know um one of my sisters in burlesque she lives near rockaway beach so she Mm -hmm. organized a whole black woman double dutch on the boardwalk get together. So just picture like, I think it was maybe like nine or 10 of us Black women just being in our full pleasure and joy, some who didn't know how to double dutch, some who did
0: just uh, that would be me i don't know I, I know how I to jump rope that's it i did
1: it a little bit but <laughs> you I, did it a little bit <laughs> i did it a little bit growing up but i wasn't like great at it but mm. it was just the power of all of us coming together and just being able to like be in each other's presence it was very soothing and healing and powerful i mean folks were like what's going on over there because they're like all on the boardwalk and we're all spread out on the beach it was just Just even if we didn't say a word, just sitting there and enjoying each other's company and having so many things that we can relate to and talk about and, you know, feel together. It's just, there's nothing like it, literally nothing like it.
0: Thank you. I want to talk about, you know, you were talking about the siblinghood of burlesque. I want to talk to you about two things I've noticed. Um, So, the first thing is (laughs) the first time I ever heard of burlesque, I probably heard of it before in negative connotations, um, but the first time I've ever heard of it in a positive light was actually from a Black woman. Um, I don't know if you know, but it's um, Miss Right Now Rouge on Insta. And then also, um,
1: okay. Not like personally, but like she's in, like I know her through my mentor. I
0: yeah. know that's amazing. And so um, from my understanding, she was also from the capital district and and like, or has like flitted back and forth. And then there was a woman, um, she is also black and she um, was deaf and um, she was doing burlesque dancing on Insta, like, or showing her clips. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is dope. And then I was like, I followed you for hoodoo stuff. And then went to your page, I was like, Like, you know, like this is just so amazing, like these displays. And so I want to ask you just like to demystify and debunk stuff. Like what is burlesque dancing?
1: So, you know, if you ask like 10 different people, you're probably going to get 10 different answers, but I could say that burlesque is an artistic expression on the stage, that normally involves an element of striptease. Um, Historically, um, burlesque has been part of variety shows um, when it first uh, came on the scene, but now there's many shows where burlesque is standalone. I think right now um, what we're seeing is sort of like, a lot of things is neo burlesque and it's, really people coming together and expressing themselves in different ways and it I have to say this because um I think you know many times people are surprised when I say this I'm like it's not always sexy many times it is but there can be burlesque that's sad there there's burlesque Mm. that's um you know political and social commentary cultural commentary um there's you know serious acts and then there's you know sexy acts with you know sequins and you know body rolls and stuff it the tassels
0: again. i'm excited by the tassels
1: there's tassels and there's also assholes
0: what, <laughs>
1: like, what? there's like ta- people do tassels on their you know on astros- their booty
0: mm-hmm. yeah. baby Listen. i want so i want to talk about um body, and we're going to go into a couple of things. So like in your bio, um, I was looking at it and there's a, a term that I didn't, it's not in your bio, sorry. It's on your website. Cause I was like flitting around and there's a term that begins with an E it's the type of burlesque that you're doing and that, or you're going, you went to school for And so can you tell me how to pronounce that word? I'm going to try to type it out. And E-ec-desious. also like, what? it Adesius burlesque.
1: So um, to kind of explain how that even came about. So I, um, my sort of going into burlesque, Brown Girls Burlesque, um, they have um, a workshop called Peeling Into Burlesque. Um, It's currently, it's on hiatus. We're reworking things right now but um, I took this class along with some people who I considered like my closest friends and burlesque sisters now. We took this class. Um, it was, I think like six, six weeks of a workshop where you're really learning like burlesque 101. You're learning how to take off your clothes sensually, how to strut, how to pose, how to make a costume, how to make your first act. It's really just going from like, you know, like there's couch to 5k. It's like couch to the stage. (laughs) Mm. So this was like a lot of people. I, I didn't, I don't think I truly understood what burlesque was until I got to my first class. I just thought it was like shimmy and fringe on stage because, you know, we have like burlesque the movie and all that stuff. So I wasn't quite sure what it was. So when we got there, my mentor, um who is Chicago Honey Child, she had us all in a circle and she's like, I'm gonna teach y'all how to be strippers. And I was like,
0: Really? <laughs>
1: like, <I was laughs> you're like, like that, that just
0: was that escalated
1: quickly. <laughs> right. I was like, wait a minute. But you know, a lot of times folks wanna kind of separate, like, and I just wanna debunk this really quick come on debunker it's my pet peeve um people try to separate like oh burlesque is not stripping it's sensual you know striptease but i'm not a stripper i'm like you're taking your clothes off on the stage you're a stripper but i feel
0: like stripping it's fine
1: but here's the thing though um it is not club stripping I would say that you have club stripping and you have burlesque stripping. They are sisters, not twins, because it is different. Um, Stripping in the club, first of all, they get paid better. Um, But it's different because stripping in the club, there's more of a focus of, you know, the the audience or like the, you know, what would you call them? Attendees like what do you call Attendees, they're Zoom Attendies. attendees. I don't know. Attendees, like <laughs> they're going to like a Zoom meeting. Right. Um, <laughs> the patrons in a club. Okay, um, okay. There is like a focus on like, you know, individual attention and, you know, right. trying to be like, you know, people's fantasy. There, there's a, it's a different sort of lens of the performance motivation, I would say. Um, and I respect it so much. With burlesque, um, it's, it's about trying to like, obviously connect the audience and, Mm -hmm. and source all the audience, but there's, you're in complete control of how you want that to be. And it's not about one particular person or anything like that. Like you're on stage and it's, it's choreographed. It's, it's just, it's different, but I don't, um, I don't make any sort of like moral hierarchy. Like a lot of times I think people outside of burlesque and then even quietness is kept people in burlesque try to make it this moral hierarchy. Like, right? Well, it's not, you're not stripping. This is artistic. And I'm like, no, stripping in the club is artistic too. It's artistic. I know a lot them?
0: of artists. What did Drake say? I know a lot of artists Yes. <laughs> Have you
1: seen them? I'm like, I stand. Um, It's just different. And, you know, there's many people who, were or currently are strip club strippers who also do burlesque there's a lot of overlap um I
0: I wonder if it's like poetry in the sense that you know everyone's a poet who can thread together words nicely you know and then there's like there's slam poetry and then there's like written poetry and then there's literary poets who feel like you couldn't slam literary poetry but you could and like you know so yeah I I, I think I can identify with that thank you yeah
1: it's like we all Live in the same house of like sensual sexual expression, like so. I I've had in the past um, people who um, you know were trying to like kick game, but they let it be known that they had a problem with burlesque. And even in the infancy of my you know burlesque you know journey, I knew that that was a red flag because I was just like if you have a problem with that, then right. it's, you're probably not someone who I want to spend any time with. Right. It's like a hard no for me. Right. And all the folks that, who, you know, <laughs> anyone who has like dated me <laughs> since I was going to ask you about
0: dating, but I had so much respect for this conversation. I was <laughs> like, can I ask her about her love
1: life? Anyone Is who it, has is it dated hard? Me, they, they had to accept the burlesque stuff. And, you know, it's funny because I know that there's folks who are like, oh, my God, like, you know, they they would feel funny, I guess, (laughs) in I guess in real non burlesque life, it's maybe weird to have like your lover or your, you know, your your partner come and see your friends get naked right but that's literally my like welcome i'm like hey (laughs) this is so-and-so this is so-and-so sometimes i'm introducing folks and they got pasties on like but you know if (laughs) and it's interesting because i'm just like you know that person has to accept that i'm also going to be strutting on the stage right other folks see me naked right um doing burlesque made me realize it it must be
0: hard to date uh cishet men
1: i don't (laughs) thank you so much oh my goodness i don't um so happy to hear this but you know it's i realized from doing burlesque that skin naked is not true naked Mm. true naked true nudity is that nudity of the heart okay that's like me crying in front of someone that's me talking about my greatest fears and my trauma it's me um are you still there i see your picture i don't know if um okay (laughs) i just want to make sure i'm like what happened um you know nudity in the spirit in my heart is me reading some of my writing to somebody like the vulnerability that's true nudity i'm like titties are titties like ass is ass at this point hundreds of people have seen all of me except for the coochie because you know be wearing thongs even though there are burlesque shows where they get completely naked but i can't hear you turn your microphone on (laughs)
0: <laughs> i was gonna say does juicy j's rule apply at the burlesque show like they do in the strip joint
1: well what is please tell me what his okay <laughs> he
0: said it's not a, okay i've been to magic city i've never been to a burlesque show and i i really want to go but i've only seen them like on the internet or like clips of them afterwards um juicy j uh is a rapper from 36 six mafia and he said it ain't a strip club unless they're showing pussy and you know i then, i uh, thought that was misogynistic and it probably still is but when i went to magic city i said god damn this nigga was correct <laughs> like, <this> was,
1: <laughs> you know what? so funny it's because i i i know that song because i have an act that had that song okay okay okay. <laughs> okay i like that um so most burlesque shows because of liquor license rules okay um you have to have that coochie covered. you could show and and you have to have pasties um okay but there are some shows that have certain venues where it's allowed and people get like completely nude
0: completely wow okay all right Thank i've never done a
1: sweet nude um performance uh, I would say the vast majority of burlesque shows, um, people get down to thong and pasties. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Thank so, you. Yeah, for I that. Just, whenever I make friends with someone or, um, you know, I've dated people in the past, I'm like, come on down to the burlesque show. And then, you know, you meet all my, my friends and we all get naked and we have a good time. Like, like
0: right. No thank you for explaining it because like I, like you said, like you're debunking stuff. there's a lot of myth, but I wanted to hear the facts and I'm pretty sure everyone else to, uh, to me uh, tuning in wanted to hear them as well. When we talk about burlesque, for me like watching a burlesque dancer, I think of you know, I can't even emulate it because I'm not a, am very sexy, but I'm more sexual than I am sexy. And so but I think but I,
1: think, I <laughs> saw a picture on Twitter late, uh, recently. You're like, <laughs> Olu Dumare, like, show me the show. Everybody, if Olu Dumare gave you a big body, show Yeah, all of that. I've been
0: listening to a lot of Afro beats lately, so I was like, if Olu- I was, so it's weird because I practice Ifa, and so, like, hearing that song, I went like this. I was like, yes. <laughs>
1: blessed. You <know>? blessed. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Oh, no, you are very sexy.
0: Don't
1: even listen sexy ain't a dance move. Sexy I think
0: I, I think it's like I'm going through a stage of where I feel like sexless and so therefore feeling sexy less or whatever and so I wanted to talk to you about that like um I went to a show with the same burlesque dancer that I was telling you about that I came across who's deaf uh-huh. she was hosting a sacred sensuality class and I was like I'm fucking a night like it was oh. is Valentine's Day I was <laughs> like, this is gonna be great and it wasn't what I thought it was gonna be I was like I paid for this and it I'm um, didn't have sex with anybody but it's fine I could have watched xnxn.com xnxx.com whatever and it would have been great but I mean don't go to that site um send me money instead (laughs) thank you so anyways so I go to the class and she had asked us to define what pleasure is and you know me like I I can be very adult and also I can be like juvenile and in my place and you know and I'm like sex Um, and pleasure are synonymous to me. It's also um, things I don't get enough of pleasure. Like when I think of having sex, I have to take control of my own pleasure just because I'm programmed to make sure I get everything I want out of the experience. But during taking this class, I feel like I learned what pleasure was in different ways. And I guess, like you said, a million and one people could sit here and have this conversation about pleasure. And that's what we did. We went around a circle and it was like so many different people's experiences with pleasure and what that meant. People were talking about their parents. What does it mean to you? I was like, why are you talking about your parents and pleasure? But uh, what does it mean yeah. to you? Look at your face. You're like, oh, okay. <laughs> no,
1: because like, I I think one of the reasons why folks uh, are drawn to me is because i i in terms of my life i'm just very pleasure focused i'm like Mm -hmm. whatever brings me pleasure sex is one thing that brings me pleasure but you know what like a really juicy ripe mango um over the sink with the juices dropping all over my face that's pleasure too right (laughs) um you know, being with my my plants and connecting with the earth, that's pleasure. I think pleasure is anything that nourishes your soul, nourishes your spirit, brings you joy in a pure, unadulterated way. I just, I think there's so many ways to experience that. And, you know, I just, pleasure manifest itself so many different ways in all of our lives and for some people sex isn't even in the top three for them in terms of their pleasure
0: no I thought that that was that was actually pretty prolific so like when we were talking about pleasure we were like focusing on ourselves first and I was like no this is not what I came here for I'm about to get me some pleasure give me one second (laughs) (laughs) Um, so this was um you know like this class it was like we were to take shea butter and like rub our bellies and I was like why am I doing this and the explanation was like most people have this weird sorted doesn't matter your size and we're going to get into size and conversation (laughs) and so I was like no because I have a b-shaped belly which even during my pregnancy made me feel very uncomfortable because I wanted one of those those pregnancy bellies that was like beautiful and I was just like and here I am looking like the capital letter B, like you know what I'm saying. Like, I'm
1: um, sure gorgeous.
0: No, I looked amazing, but <laughs> I still had this like subset in my head like, this is not what my pregnant belly is supposed to look like, you know. And but we were rubbing the shea, and so shea has this very distinct scent, you know. And so I was already feeling like the effects of the shea butter, and then like having to give myself affirmations and tell myself belly, I love you. It actually made me like tingly, but not just in my vagina, like in different parts of my, like my brain. And like, I'm like experiencing this, the sensation of pleasure by like adapting to like this newness that was in myself. I can't believe I'm even having this adult conversation, but adapting it. to this newness in myself, like, you know, and I'm like, as a plus size femme, like it's really difficult for me to engage in pleasure without other people. And so that exercise was actually really meaningful to me. So.
1: That's awesome. I am so pro the belly. I just think that, you know, as women and femmes, like there's such a stigma on any sort of visible belly. And um, one of the things that I love to do, um, I love erotic art, I love it. And one of Mm -hmm. the sort of like aha moments for me, go, there's this really amazing um, erotic art museum in Miami in the art district, uh, World Erotic Art Museum such a huge collection. When I'm roaming through the different rooms, I am seeing representations of um, uterus owners and their nude forms. And guess what? Bellies abound. It is sensual. It is only within probably the last 100 years of humankind that we decided that this is something undesirable. It is very sensual. It represents fertility. Like when you look at all the different, um, you know, presentations or representations of fertility and beauty across civilizations, okay, all across the world, there are bellies. There are full bellies. There are fat bodies, full breasts, full hips, full bellies. It does not make sense. You can't. We have this like thing where everyone is supposed to be full everywhere, except for the belly. That doesn't make sense. That's not reality. And, you know, I believe in people having agency over their body. So yes, agency. Listen, if folks want to do certain things, I ain't mad at it. But I'm going to say that there needs to just be equal respect and love for people who choose to rock with what they naturally got. That's it.
0: So when we talk about this thought, you know, I I, um, I think about my partner now, right? Like he's very narrow. He's like this big, right? And like, like the size of my pinky finger. Thank you, baby. And um, I think about myself and how I don't look like anybody he's ever been with, right? Doesn't matter, doesn't care. Um, but I also think about the ways in which like I draw people to me, right? Like I think about like how myself, my full self is like the best self, right? And how I had to get into that. It wasn't just like the self-esteem class I took one day and I was like, aha, I've arrived, right? It was a constant reimagining myself as my best self, even while at my size. And I was talking to you earlier about um, how you're a nutritionist, right? And, but you're not, the nutritionist that I'm used to. No, I'm not. Oh, sorry. Not that you're not a tr- nutritionist. I apologize. I re- really, really no, bad. No,
1: but you're on the right journey because I'm in school for clinical nutrition.
0: I'm, I'm here for it. So can I am- we manifest that right now though? Can like, they just say <laughs> that you've got your credits. They need nutritionists, just like they needed the doctors. They need nutritionists to come on. Cuomo is going to give you your credits. It's going to be great. <laughs> I'm
1: I'm excited. But um, this is, it's one of the things that I'm very passionate about. I am in school for it. Um, and I, one of the things, it's been a very hard journey. First of all. Tell me what's been going on, Boo-Boo. It's been a very hard journey. This is why. Um, nutrition and dietetics is 97% white female, upper middle class. So. I sometimes am the only person that looks like me in a class. Right. Um there're a lot of microaggressions. There're a lot of folks who are of the opinion that, you know, black people just want to eat their fried chicken and don't care about their health or whatever. Like I and these are verbatim. Like that Oh, was they so said real. that out loud that in classes. The they said in um
0: I'm going to fight them. I know some bitch in I wanna, Bushwick too. I
1: wanna i wanted to fight so many people um someone else said that uh kids uh in bed but you know they meant black kids in right. Bed why they don't know what fruits and vegetables are they don't even know what a banana is like wow there's some and, you know they go do their like community service because they need to do that to qualify for their internship that's right. part of what you need to do um to become a registered dietitian to get the credential, kind of like registered dietitian, just like registered nurse. Different
0: right, right.
1: Well, so they go and they, they do their community service. They come in our community. They have no cultural competency. They've never, they don't have
0: any Ooh, black baby. Rights.
1: So they come in with their opinions and their bias and their prejudice. They bring their food that nobody wants, <laughs> okay?
0: Their potato bring, salad with raisins, boo.
1: They bring carrot sticks with hummus and they don't understand why a 60 year old black person doesn't want to eat that right <laughs> they don't understand that our diet was plant-based before the great migration okay and that our food is different regionally and quite as it's kept traditional african-american cuisine is very plant-based Get into i'm that. so
0: excited about these collard greens everybody's been hating on me for saying <laughs> collard greens every single show i say collard greens but go ahead
1: I know. I, I love collard. Collard greens, I have such, I, I grow collard greens in my garden plot here in Bed-Stuy. I have such a special relationship with collard greens. I'm just like- Come on,
0: boo. Talk about that relationship me. with the collards.
1: Listen, I'm like, continue to nourish me collards, <laughs> nourish my body, pot liquor, nourish my body, and also yes. the prosperity that I need so I can continue on this, this journey that I'm on. Um, so yeah it's been it's been very rough because there's times when I'm just like I feel like I'm an island in the program because the program and the field are not diverse and you've got these very thin white women in there that just have no concept of multicultural counseling and inclusion and right, they're all just most of them that I've encountered they're cishet white women who come from backgrounds where they have lots of resources so they don't got to worry about tuition they don't got to worry about supporting themselves during an unpaid internship like they got rich husband boo or rich parents to sort of help bankroll things so we have this industry that's very white and every time I have felt like I don't know if I could do this. This is right, giving really, up, right. Going uphill, uphill. There's something that shows me like Nabu, you got to keep going. You gotta right. Keep going. Um it's it's been quite the journey. I'm connecting with different um inclusive dietitians, fat positive, health at every size, weight neutral dietitians who are sharing, who have shared their experiences and have gone through similar things where it's like, you know, y'all want to talk about eating disorders, but you don't understand that disordered eating and eating disorders manifest itself differently right. in women of color, right? in non-men of color. There are body issues that are, you know, that happen with people who are transgender. Like who is worrying about those things? mainstream eating disorder you know practitioners are not it's very white right um so they can
0: never walk a day in our shoes anyways like even if you were to tell them like I do a lot of trainings I'm just like just give them my money because y'all are really not going to get this anyways or whatever so like I do a lot of trainings about cultural competency and I'm just like uh it's so annoying like I've even been approached by the top I would say top 10 tech companies to talk to their folks about cultural awareness I was like they're never gonna get it I might change one person's mind in this room this entire room of white people so I just want to say that I see when you say that it's been a hard struggle, I see you. And every Black femme and non-men watching this broadcast or listening to this broadcast knows exactly what the hell you're talking about. So please don't feel like you're going through it alone. I know your friends have been like rah-rah and you and rooting and you. And you're like, mm, they understand me. But no, like there's reasons. And the reason why, and you know this, you know this right your ancestors are calling you to be in this space where it's like help us keep our lines going like you know what i'm saying so thank you for that work because it's a labor on you but it's so needed it's so needed i love what you said about um being um size inclusive and every size matters yes why do you think that that's like i remember being pregnant and being like well it, you know, I was at my lowest weight. I think I was, like, 210. Right now, I'm 270. And they were, like, you know, if you would just lose a little bit of weight, even though we can't encourage it, it would just make your pregnancy a little bit better. I'm, like. But,
1: like, fat people have been having babies for Come hours. on, boo! <laughs> you know, it's you know as i've you know just been on my journey with nutrition and dietetics it's made me really analyze a lot of the false cognitions that we have about ourselves um within our community and how much of it really stems from childhood a lot of it stems from childhood what people said to us about our bodies about eating it sticks with you and it won't go away unless you're actively trying to do the work to, un, to to confront it's confronting false cognitions beliefs that we have about ourselves like so many people believe I'm not worthy unless my body looks like whatever it is that that ideal is for them right. um, you know for some of us it's slim thick you know. It, you know, we have our different, within like the black community, we have our different sort of ideals, right. but I, um, I was talking to you earlier about the fact that I have PCOS.
0: Right.
1: Um, and you know, I was diagnosed with prediabetes as a child. So I come from, you know, I come from big people, stocky people, but it was something I was like, I was telling a friend of mine, I was just like, you know, I wish there was one person in my life as a child who told me it was okay to be fat, gave Mm. me permission to be happy and live my life in a fat body, because there was no one, (laughs) there was no one who told me that. And so now when I see, you know, Black fat femmes living their best life, I, I love it, especially younger ones. Cause I was just like, you know, we live in a time with social media where there's more representation. Right. But when you're 10 years old and you have the adults in your life telling you that your worth is contingent on how slim your body is, you're, it's something you're gonna believe about yourself. And it's something that I hope that in my 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 work my future work as somebody's dietitian that they can come to me and feel safe because when it comes to food and nutrition and stuff like that it's not about it's not about your body it's not about what your body looks like it's really about it's really about habits it's like okay you know maybe uh you know don't smoke too much, like cigarettes.
0: Right. Maybe. I was so glad you clarified that, because I yeah. was like, wow. Oh, no, 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 no,
1: no, no, I, I, I like that, so. Yes! Um, <laughs> you know, don't. An environmentally don't, friendly, you know, green plant-based diet. <laughs> well, I'm not, like, hating, you know, folks want to, listen, my granny started smoking cigarettes at 13 years old, she's still walking around, um, but, you know, maybe don't smoke cigarettes too much. Maybe make sure you eat you know, some fruits and vegetables and have some plants in your life. Drink water, get some fresh air, right. walk. Like <laughs> those are the things that are going to like help when we're talking about like health outcomes. It ain't about getting to a certain number on a scale. That's not right. what it's about. Um, you know, our ancestors have, you know, the whole world has had body diversity. Our ancestors have body diversity. Folks were healthy, fat, thick, beanpole, whatever it was. There's always been body diversity. BMI is fake news. It is fake news,
0: okay? You know how much I've been stressing over my BMI? I went from a BMI of 34, like, you know, I had weight loss surgery. I And not a lot of people know that in 2015 because I was 325 pounds. I had the surgery. I got down to two ten, and because I'm a big bitch, I'm like, I don't care what no white person says when they talk about BMI. I do have big bones because when I lost the weight, people were telling me to stop losing weight because I was actually looking not normal. Like you know,
1: for your body,
0: I'm very stocky. You understand what I'm saying? Like,
1: (laughs) all my family are stocky, and I love it.
0: Yes, come on. BMI based
1: on white european body. i
0: believe it why do you think that there's so well racism in medicine but yes. when it comes to something that fluctuates amongst so many different people and ethnic groups right like why do you think there's this like poorly structured regiment for like how we should be is that so white supremacy it's
1: white supremacy come
0: on, it's boo. on i love you
1: is based on averages for like insurance companies and it's really it's 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 not accurate in measuring anybody's health or health outcomes right and it over first of all i don't even like to use the o word because i don't believe in it okay
0: tell
1: me obesity i don't
0: i hate that word when they say when they say as a fat bitch i weighed 275 on my last doctor's appointment and i'm i'm like considering having a revision surgery because i have a comorbidity i have a pacemaker. And like, I have like three heart valves. And so when I sit in my doctor's office, they be like this, I swear before God hoodoo, they be like, Um, so you are healthy, 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 and obese. And I'm like, make it make sense
1: bud. I don't really, I don't like to use the O word. I I mean, I know that people have different phrase, you know, terms that they like to use. I. I personally say, larger bodied I also was explaining to my um, co-artistic director who is pretty thin Mm -hmm. like I was saying fat is just a description it's not pejorative but I understand Um, why because it has been used as pejorative I can understand why someone who's thin might be like no I can't call someone fat I'm like well you're not calling them fat it's it's a description right but I get how that's like dicey for people but I, I I usually use the term larger bodied. Um, but I don't really like to use the O word because that is pejorative in my and opinion. And it's
0: also like an indicator that I'm dying. Like, you right. know what I'm saying? Like
1: Right. But they don't
0: use they don't use even though there's like um Surgeon General warnings on like smoking and stuff like that, they don't call a smoker a dying ass motherfucker. Like, you right. know, but when you say obesity to me, that's like um, patient is thirty six. Presents as obese, and I'm like presents as dead. Like you know, and I really hate the connotation. I like that you said pejorative because I'm just like, and and hearing um, a woman of your stature say, "I'm size inclusive" is more important. I wish your colleagues would actually get to that level because it's so important for folks that have been privilege, right? Like we all have privilege. I have. I might have a little class privilege, I'm not sure yet. Um, I might have to do the numbers, but when we all have privileges over one another, it's important to say, you know what, I might be removed from this community in inches, but I'm still advocating for the folks who are still there. Like, you know, so thank you.
1: Yeah, no, I definitely wanna be inclusive and I've, I've actually had to like sort of like check myself with certain things because I know that sometimes when people, used to be part of experience and then they're no longer part of the experience it's easy to continue to talk like you're still in the experience and i'm like oh no i haven't been and even even when i was fat
0: you were saying that you have experienced weight fluctuations because of your PCOS.
1: absolutely uh i have been up and down um like i'm i mean since high school really okay um and, you know, I'm, I'm fairly short. I'm a scant 5'4". <laughs> you, I would have never
0: believed you were 5'4". Your personality is just so big, bitch. I love it.
1: Uh, I am it 5'4". But, um, oh. you no. Know, when, when I graduated um, high school, I was 190, you know. And I realized that, that you know, now that I, I know certain, like, terms that we're all using, I realized that that still was considered a small fat. And I still, even at that size, have privilege over someone who was a larger fat or um, right like, super fat. I even think. me, I'm pushing 300 pounds. But
0: because of my stature and the way that I present, or maybe it's because the way I dress, or maybe it's a combination of all the things, I am still a quote unquote, smaller fat, desirable fat person, right? right. And so when we talk about someone that... When we talk about Lizzo, right? And you know, like you have all these people now all of a sudden concerned about her health, or you talk about Adele and the fact that like she, you know, she just came out and she lost a lot of weight, and people are like, girl, you look good.
1: Bitch. That conversation stresses me out. I no, think yeah. go the fact a lot. I'm like, we're not gonna act like and I'm not over here trying to like. Kate, for white women, she'll be fine. She'll be fine. She's a rich white <laughs> She'll be woman. fine. She'll be she'll fine. She'll be fine. But just as an example, I just can't stand when people act like thin automatically equates to more beauty. I'm like, we're not going to act like Adele wasn't beautiful when she had a fuller body, when she was larger body. Like, y'all are crazy. Honestly, I feel like she does not look as good, but maybe and there we we have it folks (laughs) I ain't trying to hate on her or anything like that right but if if folks are going to talk about it I'm just like honestly I I don't think do you
0: feel like in our community there is more of a tension so like I know with a lot of my family members if they haven't seen me in a long time and I got a haircut or I got a trim or I'm feeling fly because I like my outfit somebody will say to me girl you look like you lose a weight and I'll get I get mad because I'm like Bitch, I just stepped on a scale and I actually weigh pay- three pounds more than the last time you see me.
1: <laughs> consider this compliment like, oh God, I have like so many thoughts about this because can I tell you, like, mm-hmm. I went through a severe food um, intoxication
0: mm-hmm. and I
1: got really sick while I was traveling and I lost a A decent amount of weight in a shorter period of time it was not intentional I promise you whatever bug that I had that thing was killing like I was so sick and so I came back from vacation looking very different and someone actually was like oh my god you look so good and I was just like Actually, I've been sick. I had sometimes I'm, <laughs> like, I'm gonna just like make you you feel real stupid right now.
0: Right, right.
1: I I look cute regardless. I look cute, fat, chubby, whatever. I probably you know, like I was. I'm angry when people do stuff like that. I'm like, don't, don't right. act like
0: you're like, don't play on my face.
1: Is <laughs> some sort of like you know crowning accomplishment. Like I get. It's very complicated, but we have folks who treat dieting and weight loss like a hobby. Right. Treat it like it's like. White like, people have
0: lost their minds when you told them during quarantine they couldn't go to the gym. God damn it, Carol. You know,
1: <laughs> I got a whole name for gaining weight during quarantine. I'm like, let's worry about not catching COVID 19. How about that? Right, right. How about let's prioritize? How about. When you have a little extra weight that is protective, right? That is protective. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I, I get I get very upset because people really treat like dieting and weight loss like it's just a you know like the the hobby of the year, and folks bond over it. Right. They bond over. I'm doing intermittent fasting. Like they bond over the late That's so stressful.
0: Have you ever done that before? I'm on a, I'm on a pre- periodically during this quarantine. I have not done shit other than try to up my water intake, but I've been doing that 16 uh, out of 24. And that is really stressful. So then you got, you know, four hours and it's not good on your body. Like I'm I telling you like how I feel. Like I don't know?
1: think it's, I think, our bodies are so different. And we all sort of try to, um, you know, there's these different trends and right. we all try to do it. Like, I'll be honest with you. I can't be vegan. Now, I know there's somebody Thank there's you. out there who Thank is going to be like, yes, you can. You were doing it right. I You're like, you mind your right? fucking
0: business. I can't be vegan. I said what I said. I was
1: doing it right, but it was wrong for my personal constitution. I did not right. feel good on it. you
0: the second black woman that used the word constitution today thank you so much
1: (laughs) so i'm like there's some people who could thrive on 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 veganism who could thrive Mm -hmm. on it not everybody can and we need to stop telling people that there's some sort of one size fits all honestly i feel like intermittent fasting could be um detrimental for many folks who have uteruses right that's how i'm just you're
0: like i'm just saying and you're (laughs) right the recommendation is actually for a person who has a uterus not to do 16 hours and i get it i like i'm i'm literally starving myself and that's really ridiculous what i wanted to say to you is i want to thank you for saying that um because about your veganism um, be, or your, your willingness not to be veganism because it doesn't work for you and your body, never, right? Never, so everybody and a mother is telling me about keto, how they lost the weight off keto. You should do keto. Didi Delgado, you going to be a bad bitch when you get off keto. And I'm like, I, I tried keto for 45 days and I gained 14 pounds. And I'm gonna tell you why. As a bariatric patient, someone who has their stomach literally sliced three-fourths of the way and the rest of it was thrown out me absorbing a higher fat content of a certain gram past 14 grams a day is actually problematic. Like I won't lose weight. I'm actually going to gain weight because my, my stomach has now been, is like three fourths the size less than what it used to be. And so for me, like a dummy, and I know that that's ableist, but I'm, I'm a little drunk and, and I couldn't think of any other word to say. I really couldn't, I I need a, I need a therapist or a or thesaurus or one of those a and so
1: a dietitian.
0: I need all of the things so I remember when I was doing keto I was going hard I was exercising the scale was not moving and I talked to my dietitian, and she was like you're a bariatric patient <laughs> she was like keto for you is high protein, low carb, <laughs> like no fat, <laughs> like you know what I'm saying, yeah. or low fat, like you know? And right. I was just like, wow, I had never even considered. I was following a trend, and they're not trends are not for everybody. Trends
1: should really be for nobody. Come on, um, boo. I'm just gonna keep it grimy. I'm gonna say this
0: I like you. Dieting,
1: <laughs> dieting. And when I say diet, because okay, the term diet just means what we eat. Okay. Right. When people talk about diet, they're usually talking about restrictive dieting. Many diets, okay, are teaching people how to be disordered in their eating. It's teaching people how to have an eating disorder. And it it's just such a slippery slope. I honestly, I believe in intuitive eating where you're listening to your body, you're listening to your hunger signals, you're, you're listening to uh, your sense of fullness, mm-hmm. you are not ignoring cravings, um, you know, all of these different things. Because I'm, <laughs> I don't know, like once you're on a diet, when do you, folks, don't, folks who diet don't get off a diet? You, you just continue going, and it, it. I feel personally attacked by <laughs> this relatable
0: content. <laughs>
1: I just want everybody to heal their relationship with their body their relationship with food I just think we invest so much time as a culture into trying to hate ourselves into like having a body that we can love and that's just not you can't do that you you can't hate yourself into loving yourself you have to just choose to love yourself how you how you are and that doesn't mean you can't have like if you want to you know do pilates five times a week because what ma'am
0: no one's doing that (laughs) five times a week
1: i don't do pilates five times a week i'm just saying if folks don't have their own goals and stuff like that i'm not telling people they can't do that but i'm also like but you should love yourself as is you should love yourself as is and love yourself in different iterations because guess what this is all temporary. This is, yeah. I'm not going to look like this when I'm 70 years old and I'm somebody's, uh, you know, hoodoo chrome, you know? <laughs> like, I'm not going to look like this. My spirit is the same, but all of this is temporary. So investing so much into your own unhappiness and punishing yourself and, mm. and doing things that harm you, like from the inside out, I'm telling you, it's not worth it. It's It's not, when you're, when you're in the sunset of your life you're not going to think about man I really did some great diets in my time like that's not what you're going to be thinking about
0: (laughs) you know those diets really got me through my
1: 20s and 30s you're probably going to be thinking about why did I waste so much time pre I was I was gorgeous like when I look at pictures and when I was like a teenager and stuff I'm like I was gorgeous why did I why was I hating on myself so hard and I know why it was society
0: right the the pressure from society I I
1: grew up with a fat phobic mother who was a chronic dieter I I don't even know how my testimony is I survived that
0: come on boo
1: that is my testimony because I'm like when you got your own mother bribing you to lose weight right like and that's
0: something we have to unpack, right? Because you are an adult product of someone who was forced by society, you know, because I don't think your mother chose that voluntarily. So, she did not, right. And so like forced by society, oh, wow, I'm being super adult right now. Come on. Yes, Rosé, the unofficial sponsor of the full set episode number 22. And so when I think about, you know, the stories that we tell about our ancestors and our parents and, and how like that continue, it's in our threat, you know, I think about the stuff that Egypt, I don't want them to unpack, like, you know what I'm saying? And it's like, you know, me saying, go sit over there because I'm doing something right now while trying to work from home and also educate. Mm -hmm. Yo, I'm telling you right now, you didn't even tell me what to do, it's fine. You didn't get into your hoodoo stuff and that's also fine. But I already know I have to make some concessions and what comes first and what I need to prioritize um and I hope that people listening like sit with the meat of this conversation I want to talk to you about one last thing I know Can I that say one last
1: thing? yeah
0: absolutely this just, is who you are
1: just to to wrap up what I'm talking about because you know we really I know I didn't talk about who I mean I talked about hoodoo in the beginning I didn't really talk about like ancestors too much, I did, but I just wanted to say a lot of times when we're talking about ancestor, um, reverence, honoring, all these different things, um, we focus on things like, you know, having your altar set up correctly, feeding your ancestors, giving them the things that they enjoyed in life, all those things. And that is important. That's important. But I think one of the things that we don't really uh, focus on is One of the ways that you can honor your ancestors is by your own love for self, by treating yourself beautifully and honoring yourself, because you are them. You are them. So one of your offerings is to live your best life, to be gentle and beautiful to yourself, um, to be a good person. Like. That those are like your real life earthly offerings, and to do the things that they enjoyed doing, like cooking the foods of your of your ancestors and your culture, that's a way of honoring it and enjoying it. Um, doing the activities they enjoyed, like, I mean, my I know I come from like folks who love to fish, folks who love to you know cultivate the earth. So when I do that. I think of them and I'm honoring mm-hmm. their lives. So I just want people to realize that it's it's not just the ancestral shrine, it's not just right. the, the gifts that we give, it's also the way that we treat ourselves. And when we're hard on ourselves and when we're um, doing things that are counterproductive to our happiness and our joy, it hurts them too. So our life is offering and living our best life is is the best offering.
0: I feel I like really needed to hear that, so thank you. I was gonna say something saucy, like okay, I feel personally attacked, but no, <laughs> I actually don't. I feel like the messages come through when they need to, and um, I'm so glad that you said yes. You know, I sent you an email like beginning of April, and you were like, absolutely, Didi Delgado. I'm ecstatic, and I was like, no, you're not you're not going to be on my show. And I appreciate, you know, I, I've invited some, I'm, I'm focused on black women and non-men. The very few, the one, the one man that's appeared so far, um, I invited him to the show because I, I felt like I never really heard a black man talk about the vulnerability and like gender issues that cishet men face. And I allowed it, but I- no I it was um Damon Young oh, okay. and so, okay. right and so like everybody else I just feel like just this 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 weird I say weird because it's foreign to me like kinship like you know what I'm saying like and not and me being like a person that has bounced around the United States because my mom could not figure out where there's a movie John Leguizamo played in it called Where God Rests His Feet, you know, and um, my mom was always looking for that place, you know, and so we, we, I've lived everywhere up and down the East Coast, and I say this to you that your, your journey with hoodoo, your journey with burlesque, your journey with nutrition, and what that means to folks that look like us, um, and um, Black women and non-men, I feel like this is the healing. That is your call. Like, you know what I'm saying? And I feel like I'm so blessed and honored to be able to have had you as a guest on my show. I think about um, where you've landed, right? Because you landed on the show, but you're like not even from here. Right. And so when you are a person who has like traveled around the world, like you have, I want to ask you, because a lot of people come on the show and they think, oh, this is going to be weird. It's going to be an interview, but it's not. It's a conversation. Like, this is me and you kicking it and chilling. Like, of all the places you've lived, I think about your experiences abroad. When you lived in, you know, I look at the placard that's next to you and it says, <laughs> it says Pali, you know? And I was like, you look like a bitch who has enjoyed and loved, loved Paris. And you were like, actually, yes, I
1: have. I have. Mm-hmm. I didn't enjoy good.
0: Paris. And I want you to share with me why you
1: enjoy Paris. Um. Well, I... <laughs> One thing, French is my second language. I'm bilingual. Um, and what? Yes. How did we just now get to this? Goodbye. <laughs> uh, je ne sais pas to, 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 What? You know, I just know, you know "sacrosant." Pas I'm
0: sorry. You know. Okay.
1: Um, but um, you know, when I was in Paris, I feel like it was so outside of my comfort zone. Uh, previously, I'd never lived in a big city. And I really grew as a person, but also one of the things, is very interesting because when I was in high school, I took French classes and I remember, you know, in the French class in like the books, it was just white people, right? right. And so, you know, they weren't teaching us about like the history of imperialism and colonization and why someone who looks like me would speak French like that that was not taught to us right so i remember my first time with the french club going to france um for like a week and a half and i remember seeing black people and you know just being like what they're black people in france like what like they don't teach us about this like right. i you know, I didn't know about um, you know the French West Indies. I didn't know about Martinique and Guadeloupe and Réunion Island off of the the you know off of East Africa and French Guyana and North Africa, Algeria, Tunisia, right, all this right. Stuff. and basically most of West Africa with like you know French colonization and stuff and Central Africa as well. They didn't teach us about that. So being in Paris. I that's a
0: poem <laughs> being in Paris I
1: made it my goal to connect with people within the diaspora and even though I know that French is another colonial language I know that but the silver lining of that is that being bilingual in French has connected me with other people of African descent all over the world. It's been a commonality, and of course, I would. There's certain other languages I'd like to learn. I would like to learn um, Yoruba, um, <laughs> and um, you know, I'd also like to learn um, or be a little bit more proficient. Well proficient in general in Brazilian Portuguese, but only because I want to talk to Black people in Brazil. Nos
0: falamos portugues. okay?
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's
0: me talking. My dad is, my dad's heritage and lineage is Cape Verdean, so yeah. Oh,
1: okay. I love it. I love it. I I wanted to go to Cape Verde this year, but, you know, Rona won't let me be great. Um, (laughs) I was going to do Cape Verde and then go to, go to Dakar, um, Mm. but yeah, no, Paris was amazing for me because it was it was a time where I really discovered who I was as a person, but also I just met so many different types of people. Like right. one of my good friends. And you stayed
0: there for like nine months, right?
1: Yeah, I was there for nine months. Um, it's where I got my fluency. Uh, when I got there, I realized that speaking French in my high school class or whatever was not the same as speaking <laughs> French in real time. So, you know, I had to tell them like, can you please like, now like right. I, I can understand you but after um i come i did not hang out with um americans not right. to be rude but i was just like i'm here to learn french.
0: no be rude fuck us
1: i was like <laughs> no but it was you know like i was like i'm here to learn french so i'm gonna hang out with um my friend um mustafa who is half algerian
0: yes come on algeria french.
1: okay um i'm gonna hang out with my friend uh simon was Haitian I'm gonna hang out with uh well I had a boyfriend there named Claude He was Claude from, yes he was from Guadeloupe. um you know I, I was,
0: love IT oh my goodness
1: <laughs> and so um you know I just spent time with a lot of different people from all over the diaspora and it just made me so hungry for more and so like honestly, when I travel, I prioritize the African diaspora, like, period. I got to go to Haiti in February. Um, I went to Cuba last year. Yes. I went to Salvador a few years ago. Like, I just want to go to all the places where my cousins are, and see how it is and experience <laughs> the way that the African ancestors experienced uh, manifested in those particular lands. Yeah. Yes. So, and it's always been, you know, it's always been really, a, you know, a great experience.
0: So I want to ask you, um, what, what does manifestation like look like on a baseline level? I mean, like, you know, on a baseline level, what does manifestation look like? I mean, You know, my best friend is watching right now. And for like the longest, like she was like, You have to put manifestor in your bio. She was like, because I've never met anybody who is not following. I was for a long time, you know, I talked about this off the camera, I wasn't following ATRs. Mm -hmm. Um, and I just knew that like there was this conversation in my family, like, this one's weirdo. (laughs) Like, you know, and and I used to just say, I want this thing, and I would just leave it alone. Like I wouldn't even and it would come to fruition. And so i think about the show and how i'd given up on it but it's actually the manifestation because i used to just let it go i'd say before that i'd want something and
1: um hi can you just leave it on the front step
0: that's what i'm saying niggas need to leave it on the front step
1: just just leave it in front of the door I'll, i'll come get it in a moment all right thank you all right bye it was at Uber Eats. Hi. No, it's, um, <laughs> do you know Fresh Direct? Yes. So they have like a little like offshoot of it called Food Kick.
0: Okay. Is and it comes, quarantine like, Do they have a quarantine price?
1: <laughs> I don't think they have a quarantine price, okay. but I really needed vodka because I'm making a tension mm. tomorrow, mm. so I had to go ahead and- in order so you got to
0: do what you got to do yeah so I want to just just like I I guess like leave folks with a way for them is it possible that you can briefly touch upon like connecting with your ancestors as a way of manifestation
1: okay so first of all I think one of the things that people sort of discount like if you expect to have a good relationship with your ancestors ask yourself do you have a relationship with the elders who are living in your i mean i know some folks have like you know drama in the family but even just elders in your community right like Okay, who will be ancestors eventually like sitting with them caring for them listening to their stories of their lives and all the things mm-hmm. that happened before you were thought of like that's important too um nourishing those relationships but in terms of your own ancestors, one of the things that um, I think folks sort of um, discount, like I know there's some people who don't, they don't have names. Like I, I know some people who they're like, you know, actually I, I don't know about my family outside of right. like one generation back or perhaps somebody was adopted or, you know, whatever mm-hmm. it is. And I'm right. like, guess what? <laughs> you're, you're, you may not know their names, they know you, they're connected to you through love and through blood. And I always tell people when you're praying to your ancestors, you you call on the ones who are connected to you through love and through blood. Um, There are some ancestors who may be trifling, but your ancestors that love you.
0: My aunt Dolores, <laughs> I already know she a hood bitch. And I still, she's on my altar. And, you know, I've always wondered, I'm like, I, bitch, I know you went to jail and I love you. Like, you know, like bring me all the good juju and here's your chicken,
1: okay? Listen. Oh, no, no, absolutely. My, um, my great grandmother, she was something else. Mm. And, but... I believe that a lot of my uh, attraction juju and love juju, I truly believe it comes from her because she okay. she stayed finding a man, child like mm-hmm. she stayed finding a man and bringing them in. So I was like, you know, that sensual juju, I feel like right. come on, her. You have,
0: yeah, you know but when they think, say you get it from your mama, you might have gotten it from your grandmama. You don't know sure. or grandmama. your grandma the sixth removed. My you know mama. what I'm saying, like.
1: But I think. Um, you know, people try to make it real complicated in terms of fostering that relationship with their ancestors. It doesn't have to be a big elaborate altar. Quite as it's kept, you know, folks already be having altars by having all the little pictures, you know, all in the same place of like people who have transitioned. It really is an altar even though folks don't know it yet. But it really can be like, (laughs) it could be a candle, it could be a glass of water. Like, it doesn't have to be, I think we get caught up in uh, aesthetics sometimes, which, you know, it's fine to want to have a beautiful altar so
0: someone who lives in an apartment because i've heard this a lot um my one of one of my other besties was like oh my aunt she's gonna be mad that i said this but i don't care um my aunt found my altar and it was this big like to do in the family and da, da, da. Yes. i was like bitch how could she even find your altar it better have been just a glass of water if you share a house with yes. people who are christian or yes. who are celebrating a different religion than you, you just a glass have, of water a candle
1: i heard of folks um you know, having it, you know, maybe like in their, their closet and, you know, pulling it out, that's one thing. Sometimes people have like a little trunk where they can like mm-hmm. close mm-hmm. it, you know, um, not, I, I realized, and I was talking to someone who I kind of see them kind of like as like a little brother. Um, and, you know, he lives with his parents. So, you know, he can't be too loud with some of his right. stuff. But, you know, you do what you can do. And really, yeah, it can be like a glass of water and a candle. Like, it doesn't have to be, like, so much. And you don't have to, like, make seven-course feasts for your ancestors, like, every day. Sometimes
0: they, they get this craft mac- macaroni and cheese is all I'm going to say. I'm like, I love it. Yeah, I know y'all did, too, because my mother stayed serving <laughs> us macaroni and cheese.
1: know i come from folks who like to drink so they be getting Mm. this bourbon they be getting this rum they be getting this whiskey you know i I just you know keep fresh water out um, right flowers that's a that's something that i really try to do and I'm having such a time with this quarantine because I'm not able to really pick through the, the bouquets that I want. I try right. to get some delivered. and
0: You look like you put through bouquets too. Like you go to the little <laughs> corner store and that, the one that's like, they sell bagels and coffee and also there's like a florist outside. Yes,
1: yes you look, I- You look so like the, it. The last flowers I got delivered, I, I wasn't very impressed. And so I was like, I'm sorry, <laughs> ancestors, but I, I really- Rona is making it a little mm-hmm. difficult to get the flowers that I deserve right. um, but you know I really like to stay with flowers and, and fresh water and you know some some tobacco liquor and things that you know that um, your ancestors would enjoy things right. that recent ancestors enjoyed in life um,
0: I leave my mama a pecan's world
1: listen yes yes you know, I like to cook when I have the energy. So when I really throw, throw down, you know, they're getting a plate of that. They, I always like to give them a plate for, you know, New Year's. Mm-hmm. You know,
0: Is that like the black-eyed peas, the collards?
1: Of course. That is like grims. the... That's our, our national dish. And people add their own little razzle-dazzle to it. They're like, oh, I also made this. I also made ribs. Right. And whatever. But that's and what all
0: I- that jazz. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know... Black-eyed peas, collards. Uh, it could You're be right. cabbage too. Cabbage can represent folded money as well. Mm. Got
0: we got some cabbage in the refrigerator right now.
1: Cornbread. I cornbread. Nothing cornbread wrong with is so that. Special to me. It's like yes. It's so
0: <laughs> I want to say thank you for coming to sit with me today. This has been beyond measurable, and I know that. This conversation is going to continue. Um, You know, you and I had spoke and um, Mamba Liz is going to come on the show. Daisy October is going to come on next week. This is just, I I deserve this. And so does everyone else tuning in and who will continue to tune in because it's going on Apple, it's going on Spotify. And I just, I'm incredulous right now. There's one thing I'll leave with. It's a a question I ask all of my guests two-prong question because I always enjoy this and the first one is is there anything that I left out that you were surprised I didn't ask you and the second question is who would you like to see on the show next it could be anybody
1: um is there anything that you didn't um I don't know you know it's like I feel like there's so many things that could go deeper like I you know In terms of like the burlesque stuff, I I would love to have talked a little bit deeper about um, just what it means to be a black woman in burlesque and what it means to the political act of expressing yourself sensually and sexually when we live in a society that tells us that we need to suppress that as Black right. women or that we're indecent or, you know, our sexuality is a threat. Um,
0: you had said earlier, you were calling it, um, you weren't saying about this, but you were like, Co- COVIDiana, <laughs> Tatiana, oh, Tatiana. Oh, oh, Coriana,
1: Coriana. Yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> And so I think that Black women are often seen that way, like thought, came about, not because of some white girls, but black women, like, yeah. you know, that hoe over there, like, you know what I'm saying, like.
1: And honestly, I would say that at a lot of um, burlesque shows, like the shows that I um, co-produce with my collaborator, um, Lauren Skye, our audience is predominantly black women and non-men. Okay. Because there's something about seeing someone who looks like you doing this type of conjuring of sensuality and sexuality on stage, um, it's empowering. And I remember being like, now it's it's very surreal. It's very mm-hmm. surreal because I remember being in the audience. And I remember um, I was with um, a, a really dear friend of mine and I really credit them for giving me the little push that I needed to actually pursue burlesque because I was watching. And some of these burlesque performers that I saw are now I'm really cool with. They're very dear to me. And, you know, we have a personal relationship. I remember watching them, all these Black women um, at this show called Shades of Burlesque that my Mm -hmm. dear burlesque sister
0: you uh, knew that was about to be some black shit. Shades yeah. of burlesque.
1: Shades of burlesque. My dear sister, Sweet Lorraine, she's like my burlesque big sis. I love her. She's another person who helped to give me the push that I needed to get into burlesque. She um, had this show. It's on, it's on hiatus right now. I mean, well, everything's on hiatus right now. But um, she, um, where it was all, it was New York City's only all black, black burlesque review. Right. So right. my dear friend who I went to the burlesque show with, was cool with her and and she was like let's you know let's go to the show so we go and I'm watching that I'm watching these women be amazing and beautiful and just powerful on the stage with their bodies with the teas like I just I was watching and I was like first of all I was tingly because it was so sexy I was like woo now it's like I watch and I'm just like wow like I it's more like professional like wow that was amazing but when i was like okay. but at the time before I was a burlesque performer it was so like oh I'm tingly everywhere um I'm watching them they're just so magical just what they were conjuring on that stage right and I remember um thinking to myself I can't do that I can't do that you know, I, am not pretty enough. I I can't, I'm not sensual enough. I can't do that. And my friend leaned in and she was just like, you could do that. You could do that. And it sort of shut down the own false cognition that I'd already decided about myself that I I wasn't worthy of the stage. Like who would want to see me? Like I can't do it. So I just think Every time I go on the stage or another black performer goes on stage and someone sees us and it motivates them to be more sensual in their life or you know, to have agency over their body or feel in control and powerful in their body. I just feel like that's just the mission. I'm like each one teach one. Like, now there are people who look at me and they're like, how do you do that? And I'm like, let's go. Sis, let's do it. You want to do this? Let's do it. Like, I'm I'm feeling, I'm
0: feeling, I'm feeling, like, convicted. Like, I want to do a burlesque dance. Like, I want to do a class and, like, figure out, like, where do I fit in in my own sensuality? So this has really been enlightening for me and I appreciate you.
1: I appreciate you. And I just want to say the fact that you... When you emailed me, you were like, oh my God, you emailed back. I'm more like, wow, you emailed me. I was, I was so honored. I was just like, I'm looking at all the people that you're talking about who have agreed to be on, and I'm just like, I'm gonna I'm in great company and I'm so honored to have been invited to do this. This is you asked me to come talk and be on your your you I know, was like, talk, talk your shit. That's <laughs> all I want. <laughs> I'm like you ain't gotta tell me Trice I can I can talk (laughs) for a long long time about these things because it's it's passion
0: I just feel like this is what we were supposed to be doing and I appreciate you said earlier in the very first part of the show (laughs) that you shouldn't be hiding this from anyone and so I appreciate all the things um, I thank you for appearing on this episode of the full set and I, I I'm internally grateful thank you I am
1: so grateful I'm so honored this was this has been so amazing and I'm I, I'm just I'm just so grateful for you and I just want you to continue to feel empowered and feel just that you're you're on the you're on your path and you're you're doing the work and I want you to feel it's not empowered isn't even the right word encouraged. I want you to feel encouraged because you are, you are following the signs and you, you are well on your way and you're already in greatness. And there's just so many other things in store for you. And I'm, I'm just very humbled to be able to witness
0: Y'all are so good to me and I appreciate you. This has been another motherfucking episode of the full set. <laughs> um, Thank you, Hudu Hussey. And I hope that y'all have a good night. Thank you.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Appreciate you. Peace y'all. All
1: right, peace.